Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wise Men Say, Sun FM Preview Show, with Stephen Goldsmith and Gareth Barker, all things Sunderland. Welcome along to the Wise Men Say Preview Show with Sun FM, where we have another defeat to talk about. Why wouldn't we have another defeat to talk about? Myself and Gareth are joined by Phil Smith from the Sunderland Echo tonight. Uh, Phil, you were you were covering Cardiff in the championship, and they're doing all right now. You've left them. Yeah, there's kind of a. <laughs> I kind of left just as they were beginning to find their feet again, and just as Sunderland was sort of beginning to implode. I thought it was quite. A, I don't know what you thought of the Forest game. I thought it was quite a strange night. I left with kind of like two conflicted emotions. Mm. One was sort of the heart, which has gone. Where is this going? This is another game where I've just left feeling dead inside. Nothing, <laughs> nothing to make me nice feel positive. No, but nothing to make me feel particularly passionate. I'm, I'm worried about where this is going. Then, kind of my head as well. I was thinking, well, there, there was an improvement there mm. from Sheffield United. Yes, they looked like a pretty average team, but at the same time, I thought some of the things were much better that they'd looked to put right from the Sheffield United game. A bit more pressing. I thought they'd try for the most part to avoid just lumping it long as they had done on the Saturday. So this kind of weird emotions I had where I was sort of flat as anything, but well, then also... I like it, I was straight in the football, eh? There was no, yeah, like, small yeah, talk at the start or intro. We're, like, one minute 20 in, and we're, yeah. we're straight into the straight game in analysis. The, the uh, yeah, I thought, well, it's funny, because I was... <laughs> I'm always accused of being, like, really negative and all that. That's, like, the thing. It's a joke, apparently. <laughs> um, I would say to those people who think I am negative all the time, they're the joke. It's but the, aside from that... It's a tone of voice that's misleading. It is, yeah. But... <laughs> they don't listen to what you're no, saying. No, they don't, they just... <laughs> board um, <laughs> like it happened the goal happened so you can't say if it wasn't for the goal then but if we'd come away from that game nil nil would have been disappointed but you would have gone well we kept a clean sheet um, we didn't score which is a, a, a problem but the, the try to I felt like they tried to play the right way like I know that that sounds like a, you know what's the word I'm looking for but I can see on here that isn't offensive <laughs> a bit of a you know a thing to say isn't it it's like oh you're trying to play football the right way um, but Liam but co- compared to like you say that where recently and it's not just the Sheffield United game where we've been deciding we're just going to hoof it onto people's heads we're giving the ball away every time because bodies haven't got round for that second ball or, or whatever you know he's looked at the players he's got he's gone right well, we'll, we'll play the the three lads behind um, grabbing obviously uh, originally um, and you know that the smaller guys aren't they really the, they need the ball in the feet and we did play it in the feet we played it in the feet the problem was they just need to be quicker quicker in everything quicker in moving the ball quicker in the mind before the receiving the ball everything just seemed to be half a yard a yard too late when Williams was getting it into his feet his first touch is always away from goal he doesn't receive it and turn and face the the the, the goal he's attacking he t- takes a touch back inside and then he kind of pirouettes and he's facing just everything the movement needs to be quicker off the ball to make everything tick and it just felt as though they were taking steps towards doing the right thing and then because it's frustrating because you couldn't break them down and then you go and do what Browning did after he had a, you know, a reasonable game under no real pressure I wouldn't say Browning and uh, Wilson came under any real pressure and then go and do that and you oh, it's, it's just it's well, that's why it's, it's just so frustrating All anything that was positive in the game is then at that point irrelevant because we've lost the three before and everyone's sick Phil's just said conflicting emotions there and, and I can get on board with that in that they were so bad Forrest oh, oh, no, like they, they were so so bad and part of you thinks we will be okay because eventually when you get that monkey off the back and you get that first home win if this is a standard and Forrest have won four out of their seven games as well so if this is a standard we'll be okay but then at the back of your mind you're thinking 
are we so bad that we can't beat teams like this? And we're only Nortus and Forest are bad because we saw Premier League teams. We saw Premier League teams for the last 10 seasons. So it's obvious that there's a drop in standard and are we incapable of, of, of even beating those kind of teams? Forest, after 50 minutes, visibly set their stall out for a nil-nil. I thought Sunderland started to control the game so much in midfield without really creating anything. They were still toothless. But we have better players than Nottingham Forest have. And I thought Forest started to struggle a bit and you could see them frantically getting back into position thinking, lads, we're getting away with a nil-nil here. We're going to try our best. And if we get away with a point, we get away with the point. And then they go and beat us. I think I, I very, very confidently predict that Nottingham Forest will end up in the bottom eight of that league. Wasn't particularly impressed by the summer business they did. I wasn't impressed with them the other night. Where Sunderland will finish is a is a question that I don't have the answer to. I thought there were kind of a few phases to the game the other night. I thought there was before Grabham went off when I thought, as Gareth said, Sunderland tried to do the right things, try to play the right way. They were just lacking that little bit of speed and incision to create a goal. After we went off, I thought they let the intensity drop a bit. I thought the tempo wasn't great. They lost a bit of control. Now, I thought that it was the third phase of the game, which I thought was the most worrying, which was the final 15, 20 minutes, when actually I didn't think Sunderland, I think they could have played for hours and not scored. Yeah. No, I mean, they were unlucky at the end, weren't they, when the, the ball just wouldn't go in, would it? Went in that scramble, they just piled in. And, you know, the, the keeper made a couple of saves, which is an improvement on Sheffield United, and Mills made two excellent blocks, one from Honeyman and one previous to that from McManaman. thought McManaman was very good. Um, really like the way he demands a ball and he beats his man um, sort of 6 out of 10 times 7 out of 10 times he gets down the side Get his, his delivery seems decent we just don't get enough people in the box um, and that's that's the kind of players who will play no? yeah, we, we you know, have in the squad and, well, you know, and you know it. so I kind of came away looking at the game and Dong and, and Catamore didn't think had great games in particular Um now, I'd persist within Dong definitely because I think, you know, he's a young lad and I really like Catmull. But at what point do you say we need somebody who's gonna break? Mm. If you don't need the two deep sitting midfielders, I was, yeah, I was you gonna need make somebody exactly who's gonna point, you need yeah. somebody who's gonna carry the ball, and rather than look to drop off and drop off because if, whenever somebody drops off to receive, well, sorry, they don't go into space forward to receive the ball. They drop deep to receive the ball. So you've got Catmull dropping into the centre circle, receive the ball, and then he kind of puts it out wide, then he's moved forward slightly and Dong drops back in, and they're just kind of, the ball's going backwards all the time, there's no progress, people aren't making runs, people aren't challenging defenders and midfielders in the opposition to to think, and when at the moment the only player we've probably got who he could play, who would make a difference in personnel, I'm not talking about in talent, it's probably Jack Rodwell. I mean, I think this is a, a point we've actually made a few times over the summer and at the start of the season is that we've talked a little bit about how Sunderland have got a lot of decent centre midfielders and that's an option where they probably didn't need to do much. But also, there's not a great deal of variety there. They've got a, a lot of a similar kind of centre midfielder. One of the big red flags for me the other night was when you look at the team sheet and you think, OK, so there's a couple of injuries here. And we're back to the situation we were with at the turn of the year with David Moyes where you're looking at the bench thinking, I can't see him making a single positive substitution here. I'm looking at the seven names on this bench and I'm thinking I don't particularly feel great about taking one of the players in that starting 11 off and bringing one of the players on the bench on. I don't see how that's going to change what we do and have a positive impact and I think that's a huge concern because at the end there, Johnny Williams I thought played well but then the other th sort of three of that four, Honeyman, Gooch, Vaughan, I'm kind of looking that, and thinking I'm not sure there's enough there that, you know? that's and that's a big say, concern for me. Gooch really disappointing I thought in the last two games when he's come on I know he's a young lad and he, you know he wants to play for Sunderland and he's passionate and, and all that but he's re he's regressed since his injury I mean he said himself he came back too early and he struggled you know people have criticised Kasri for his weight I mean Gooch is a bigger lad than, Ka than Kasri I mean without a doubt He's a big lad. I'm not saying he's unfit or fat or whatever, like people were saying about Kasri. He's just a big unit. And he just, he was, I thought he was really poor when he came on. Really disappointing. Um, and, you know, you just got to call it as you see it. It's, you know, hopefully, hopefully, you know, show the promise that he did initially when he came in against Exeter in that game. And a um, bit of early promise when he, when he played in, in the middle under Moyes. 
but he, he disappeared quickly from that team, didn't he? Um, he sort of after three games, he was dropped completely. Um, so I'm not saying that he won't make it, but I mean, this is a point where I talk, people talk about young players coming into the team and, and through the academy. Well, you know, you look at Gooch and, and, and Honeyman and they're like kind of getting towards 22, 23 years old. Should they be breaking through now? They probably should have been playing three years ago really consistently if, if they really had what it takes to play consistently at a high level, higher level in the you know, in top two divisions of, of English football. I'm not saying they haven't got anything to offer. I'm just saying, you know, you, you don't want to be relying on them week in, week out. And I think we're, we're, got, we're in a situation now where those players, we are going to have to rely on them. Mm. When, when McGeady will come back, um, and you'd like to think he'd be in with McManaman and, and Williams, um, whoever up front. I actually thought Vaughan had his best game of the season when he came on. And he, I, I did. I didn't think. I thought he was a lot better. I, I thought as well he, he benefited from the fact that I didn't think his teammates tried to use him as a as an outball yeah. as much. Yeah. I thought Sheffield United. I thought some of the, I mean, Nottingham Forest. I thought was frustrating, and I thought could have been better. You know, Sheffield United. I felt was just. I know you'll have talked about this earlier in the week, but I thought that was just appalling. The entire yeah, setup, the yeah. approach, the attitude, and a lot of that was players who were just using Vaughan as an excuse to well, just we, get rid of the ball. When the got before, and we talked about it was an easy. It was an easy. It's an easy option just to lump it forward and people don't take responsibility with the ball at the feet they're not going oh you know I'll, I'll do something positive here they're just like oh there's nothing on I'll lump it there was long balls going up to Vaughan from like that, from that I mean I remember Rodwell played one from like inside their half he's like lumping a long ball straight long ball down the middle it's almost like they've been given permission to do it as well so like last season in the Premier League you think no that's not good enough just aim on the ball because it will come back in the Premier League if you just start putting the ball forward Grayson's allowed them to start playing a little bit more direct and it's almost as if they thought they're taking it to the extreme thing like I said it's giving them an excuse if they don't want the ball and and there's nobody shown for the ball it's given an excuse to think well we're we're encouraged to go along on the doing it. And like you say, I did I don't think it was as bad as that the other night. I want to come back to the point you made on on the two centre midfielders, the partnership we've mentioned and Dong and Catamol, who we've said on, on paper yeah, yeah. should be the best centre midfield partnership in that division, arguably. Again, I mentioned there that maybe we've been spoiled by Premier League football. Is there a difference that much of a difference in Premier League football where we've come into this division automatically thinking, well, that's a good anchor in a midfield to have some attacking and creative players ahead of them where you don't actually need that at this level because you can't tell me if you'd taken Catamol or Ndong, either one of them, out of the side the other night and had a more creative attack and player in that we would have been overrun because we wouldn't have we wouldn't have done. And that's obviously because we're not used to watching this level of football live. Yeah. But Grayson has and and now, as Phil said at the start of the season, we we're all saying, Oh, we're okay in set midfield and now you're starting to think actually we need somebody who can pull the it's, strings and go forward with the football. It's, a not, it's not even pulling the strings. It's just somebody who's willing to to run beyond the pe- to, to get run, the run beyond people. It's somebody who's willing to go beyond the number ten or the striker or the winger if they've tucked in. Somebody who's willing to go potentially get on the end of something late. And there's plenty of space in the box in the championship. There's plenty of mistakes. Happen. We've seen plenty of Sunderland make plenty of mistakes. Um. You know, but I just think I mean that's that's one of the problems, and I just think both games are too easy to play against. Too easy. You, Forest just passed. I mean, Forest were playing a brand of football that you know went out of fashion three, four years ago. Well, let's just pass it around the back, and you know it's what everyone was doing when Poy did it for us. Rogers was doing it at Swansea. It was this slow pass and build up thing. That's what Forest are doing. And at times they were clueless. They were just passing the ball across the back four. But we weren't pressing them high enough. And like, if you watch what Sheffield United did to us at the weekend, now they're on an upward curve. They probably haven't. They, I would say their players probably aren't as good as ours, but they're full of confidence. They've just been promoted. You know, they're, they're well organised. They, they know exactly what they're doing. And we had no time on the ball whatsoever against Sheffield United. We couldn't get going. They pressed the space. They had four players in the in in the area of the pitch every time where the ball was. Nicked it off us, and then that was it. They were away. I think. In terms of what you're talking about in the midfields, I think it's an interesting point you make. For for me personally, I th- I think Don can do a lot of what you're talking about, and I don't think at the moment Sunderland are getting enough out of him. I'm a huge fan of Ndong's, and I, I think a lot of the criticism he gets is, is unfair, but that first 10, 20 minutes of the game, when he was pressing right up on the Nottingham Forest box, there was one where he won the ball right next to the corner flag in a great position, was able to tee up McManaman, who broke into the box. 
but it was for 20 minutes yeah. and this is my frustration at the little they're doing good things in patches of 10 15 20 minute spells but they haven't come close to doing it for for 90 minutes and i completely agree do you need two anchors at home against the nottingham forest team playing like that no you don't but is it do you have to change the personnel or can you change the mentality of one of the players and give i, I, license I certainly think you can get more out of endong and, and give him that give him that almost that freedom to say listen i want you to run beyond williams and give him another option and particularly not just on the ball off the ball mm. because he's got such a good instinct for when to go and press and go and when to put the defenders under pressure and just give him that little bit more freedom, just give him that little bit more responsibility to go and do that. It's a shame the goose thing, as you said, because naturally you would think he would be a player yeah. would do that, wouldn't you? Well, may- the maybe reputation, yeah, break and forward and stuff. And, and maybe if they try, if they give him a try and they might do that, I don't know. Um, but again, when he played in central midfield last year, I thought, I know people were, were really happy with what he'd done. I just, I, I said at the time, I got a lot of stick for it, that I just felt as though it was all in front. It was all in front of people. And like in the Premier League, you, lot teams when they come and play, you, will let will let you have the ball in front. So it's not it's, you're not under pressure like you are in in the Championship it, where people get in the in the in the faces. And it's a it's a big adjustment for a player like Catmull, who for however many years now has mm. been in Sunderland, has just been trying to yeah. hold things together and mm. just try and break the siege. You know, and it's a, it's a huge mentality change for him to now have defend defenders and midfielders standing up and him saying, okay, come and. Come and come and break us down. It's it's a big adjustment for for players like him. I, I mean, Catamol, who which I can't remember which manager it was, but he it must have been. We've had so many, but it must have been Moyes, and and before whoever. But I've you know he has he has he was the one who was given the license to push further up. I, I seem to recall last season when him and Dong played together, it was Catamol who was pushing on. Now I I agree with you. I think first game against Derby, it looked like he he did as he well. Was yeah. Doing that, yeah, but I'd, I'd like. I'd like to see, I'd like to see in Dong say, listen, we need to give when you, you know, you're an intelligent player. You know, when when you when you feel the time's right, go on, go into that space. Kevin Ball used to always make the point, didn't he? And we're going back years. And I know football's moved on from then, but he used to say that um, that that him and, and and Lee Clark would do that. They would just talk with each other and communicate. The pitches here, right? As long as one goes forward. The other one stays back. I think Ball's, back Ball's a great example, actually, of someone who we always remember as this combat of midfielder. But you know, you watch some of the goals he used to score, making those late runs into the box. He scored some screamers over the years. We've just been joined in the studio now, <laughs> uh, Mike Michael Loff, who who's a regular with us, and well, um, <laughs> irregular. <laughs> we, well, you know, we could have waited for you, Michael, but yeah. we've got standards to. Uh, the bus is gone, oh, I'm afraid. Well, take those from Craig and the Wabi Casby Road this week. You have, Casbury. You've, um, we were you've thinking more about when the players were late for the bus and, the, and, yeah. and Kane um, just well, left them. You're left ba- them you're out next, you're what out we should have done was week. we should have put a padlock on the door outside. Yeah. That would have been like the bus leaving, wouldn't it? And to yeah, make it would have point. been, yeah. Right, next podcast, I'll bring the milk in for everyone. So. Well, he's not getting paid, is he? So. <laughs> <laughs> Who is? But anyway... Now, now you've got the problem, Michael. Of you, you, you don't know what point to make because we might have already made it. You just so now, 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 now yeah. our listeners might be thinking, "Well, somebody's already said that, Michael." I'll so just do what we're all going to just like we're all just going to like look at you now, and say, "What's your overriding feeling from the Nottingham Forest game?" And then we're all going to look at you. <laughs> well, people are going to switch off. <laughs> you might have a hot take. Give us your hottest take you've got on the game on Tuesday. Um, well, provided that hasn't already been covered, it was just. <laughs> Very much summed up our last few weeks, hasn't just very frustrating. Um, I think it was obviously better than Saturday, which isn't saying a great deal. Um, we had a few chances, didn't score, and then we all have a mistake in us, and then that's ultimately what's cost us. Um, and as I say, it's just people are getting really fed up. I mean, you saw the crowd actually didn't turn on them in the same way as it did on Saturday, but... was enough of them there. No, well, that's the point. But um, you saw in the kind of post-watch reaction on social media, people are just getting sick and... People making comparisons to the early sort of Terry Butcher slash Miss Buxton era, which obviously isn't a good thing for anybody. And yeah, it's a bit of a mess in it. I think the comparison with those eras is you, you kind of felt like the players, some of the players we had were rubbish, and you the sense is that this team should be doing better than they're doing. I mean, for, for me, Tuesday was much more reminiscent of sort of the first kind of like Mick McCarthy Championship sides. Mm-hmm. You know, it was. It, it was okay. It wasn't particularly inspiring. It was competitive, and I thought you know. Hand on that, I thought they were unlucky to lose the game the other night. I don't deserve that, but clearly there's not that spark or that necessarily that quality that's going to be able for them to open up teams throughout 90 minutes. 
You've been speaking to him. Um, what's been the the latest on on Duncan Watmore? Well, I think he's um, he's playing on Saturday against Manchester City in the under twenty threes. Um, so, I guess he'd probably need two or three games in the under twenty threes. I think before realistically you could introduce him to the first team. I wouldn't. I would have thought we'd see him this month, but maybe in sort of a substitute capacity, with a view to the after the next international break. I think is when you hope and that he'd be ready to make an impact. Mm. Having spoken to Sam Grayson about him a few times, I get the impression that he sees him someone who'll play out wide occasionally. He can move him into the middle if he wants. I don't think he's necessarily got a, a set plan for him. This is what I want him to do. This is where I want to play him. Um, Lewis Grabben, if that injury is quite serious, that might force his hand a little bit. Um, there, do you think there's any? Is there any real possibility? I know the free as soon as the window closes, it's every every publication under the sun loves a bit of hashtag content about. Six top free agents. That's saf. Hashtag saf. I, I actually, sign. I actually managed to avoid doing that. I, yeah. I instead, who did I it? instead, well, I don't think this Sunday did it. Actually, I did a sort of a, um, should they should they do it? That was like my <laughs> should they do it? That was my that was my thought. That was my thoughtful way around should it. You know, they? I yeah. thought I'll bring a bit of class to this kind yeah. of uh, this listicle culture. Um, I, I don't get the impression that they're going to go and get one. That's Regardless. my honest. That's my honest opinion. If if it was a very very bad injury, which realistically I think even at its worst it's a hamstring tweak, it so like a tweak. what about there? Josh Madger well actually I was going to say there's a, there's a lot Mark Sugden's been in touch is, is Josh Madger when fit good enough haven't seen him play well, we don't know because we've, he's never played a senior game he looked good in pre-season he was excellent he? in pre-season and he went up against some big burly centre-halves where you're kind of thinking I'm, I'm not sure he's cut out to play against this kind of player, it was a big test for him, and he came through it. When he was holding the ball up. When you compare him to Soro, to a Soro, that's, ex- that's exactly the comparison I've been making for a while now. A Soro is a talent, but Magic physically just looks to be that bit ahead, and that's what makes me think actually he might be able to do it. I think it, he's it, never played a senior game, so you don't know is the honest answer. I think Magic's speed of thought, you know, his reading of the game is excellent. I, comp- I think he looks like a Bentner type player, though. Not right, like he's obviously got a finish on him. He sniffs out goals, but he seems like more somebody who wants to drop deep, come and pick, come and get the ball to feet. At the moment, what we're talking about is players not getting the box enough. I mean, it's interesting though because you don't know how much of that is a player who's well above his the talent of the other players in the team when he plays under twenty threes, and maybe that's a symptom of him wanting to get involved in the game mm. more. You see it with a lot of players who drop deep than they should because they want the ball, they want to influence it. So maybe in a in a, the same team as say Johnny Williams. You never know, it might well be that he's he's able to play that sort of role on the shoulder a lot better. From what I've seen, I think he looks good enough, but it is a bit of a lottery. But well, you'd give him a goal, wouldn't you? You, you would, and, and like I say, that I, I may be proved wrong, but the, the impression I get is that they won't be going for a free agent. And to be honest, I don't see the point in going out there and getting another... Thirty something with a questionable injury record. Well, there's a reason these people are free agents. There is, and R- Ricky Lambert's one that's been mentioned. I, I don't get the impression they're interested. And I saw him at Cardiff last year, and if you think James Vaughan looks limited, Ricky Lambert looked like his career was gone last year. That's maybe harsh, and it was maybe the environment, but he had a, he put a run of games together as well, six seven starts off the belt, and it didn't make a difference. And from from my perspective, I'm looking and thinking, you know what? It's a risk, but I'd far rather let's have a look at Josh Madge. Let's see what he's got. And we got what more to come back through the middle. Um, you know, I think I think even Madger as well. If they're looking to play, if they're looking to play with a, a t- I think he could play like a ten. I've seen him play a bit more withdrawn rather than an out and out striker for the very. I've only said not that I go and see the under 18s and twenty threes, whatever, all the time. But I've seen him play a few times a bit deeper, and his vision's very good. Picks a pass out. Um, obviously that's at a different level um, but yeah I, I guess it depends as well coming back from his injury you know how how soon is it going to be for him I mean they said about a month it's probably about a month now isn't well, it so it's, yeah th- this is one that's kind of keeps get going on and on a little bit which I guess is a little bit of cause concern yeah. I'll, I'll ask about it tomorrow but uh, you would have thought the, pr- the problem is so frustrating because he'll have to get as much fitness back <laughs> that he got to a point and is now being set back on it. So realistically, you're probably looking at the same situation as Watmore, where I think they will want to get him back in the under-23s for a little bit of a period before the first team. Could Mc, I mean, could McNair be the man who's you know talking about a midfielder who might break from the middle? I mean, McNair obviously, Moyes said he was a centre back, then he's a number ten, then he's a winger, whatever he was that week. Right, I, I remember speaking to Paddy McNair a, a few months ago, and we sort of asked him about whether he could play centre half and all this, and the 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 poor lads. You know, 
was kind of saying, look, Louis van Gaal might say me as a centre-half, but he saw a lot of things. I'm not a centre-half. I don't want to be a centre-half. I don't want to, I'm not a defensive midfielder and I don't want people to see me like this. My game is, is getting out and making things happen and breaking forward and, and that's the role I want to play. Well, maybe he could be the man in the two. What I'm trying to say is that's certainly the position he sees himself in and feels he's strongest in. Um, so, again, he's a little bit further Scored behind twice, didn't he? At, uh, arriving yeah. late against QPR. Didn't Ndong play on the right that evening? I seen so, putting all of our hopes on McNair now. So so we'll move Ndong <laughs> to, we'll to the right. McNair through the middle. The number ten, and then there we go. Just Moyes raining goals, time, raining goals. <laughs> Follow the Moyes blueprint. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about the whole game now? Do I do that, and I'll but I'll do a little bit of jingly bit first. Go on, then you do the jingly bit. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wise Men Say, Sun FM Preview Show with Stephen Goldsmith and Gareth Barker. All things Sunderland. We've kind of blended this into one anyway, so we're saying blended? we're going to blend it into I one anyway. No, so we're going to do. Uh, you know, we've been speaking about um, the Forest result but, uh, and performance, but then we've been talking about what we need going forward anyway. We we couldn't get our normal whole guest on uh, tonight, and then I I couldn't be bothered going find another one to be honest, because I thought we would just Busy have enough. We? we would have enough to <laughs> yeah, Busy, we would I mean, have enough to mourn about anyway and, don't and talk amongst ourselves. Um, bit of an indifferent start from Hull, isn't it? But worryingly, perhaps for us, have been all right at home. They did lose to Wolves, who were one of the early, the strongest sides early on, weren't they? Especially at that time, they'd won every game. They beat Burton comfortably 4-1 at home. They beat Bolton 4-0 at home. Uh, away from home, not so great. They lost 5-0 at Derby the week. They lost last night to Fulham, didn't they? Um, and they drew with Villa. So I, I, actually watch, bag. I actually watched the Derby game, and it was, it, it was so Sunderland. The game was was really tight. Couple of chances at both ends. Derby got quite a scrappy goal. Hull got a penalty, which Seb Larson blazed <laughs> over the bar. Yeah, Chris and Waddle, Italian uh, ninety star, yeah, that one, wasn't it? And uh, and I don't think he ever took a penalty at Sunderland. He did. He missed one at Wolves. Yes, did he? Because it was quite strange because he just kind of went and picked up the ball and just put it down as if to say the rest of his teammates, yeah, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a penalty didn't, guy. And didn't Myler score one a couple of games before? Yeah, yeah. And was so, he playing as well? No, he wasn't actually. Oh, right, okay, no. um, that would have been really harsh, that wouldn't it? Just yeah. Remember when Larson dived to win the penalty against Wolves, missed the penalty, mm. and then Stephen Fletcher scored within about thirty seconds. It was like I would have put us two Martin up, up, yeah, well, wouldn't it? It was Martin mm. no, was it? Yeah, it we, was a game. It was Martin O'Neill's. It was a game between. Yes. Um, Taught the microphone. He turns <laughs> up late. It's <laughs> Taught. He's in Studio One. We're in Studio Two. It's all he's the like Martin Patrick system. Van Arnold of the Taught in the microphones. Um, no, it was a game between Bruce and O'Neill. Like O'Neill yeah. had been appointed, and it was Eric yeah. Black's yeah. glorious game in charge. I'm sure that would have put us two 0 up. That I don't know it was because we we, we were equalised. No, we no no no. Okay, Richardson scored. And I put us ahead. Did he? Yeah. With that sort and of then we went. Cross. That would have put us two 0 up, yeah. wouldn't it? And yeah. then Fletcher scored two. Fletcher scored, shown the determination the of, of getting deep, back. Yeah, getting break. back from his own box and bursting. Got to get forward and like that just never happened for us, did it? Well, 
he had that spell where he scored like six goals from six shots before they start going out drinking and being rubbish all the time. Well, he was probably drinking and then allegedly, he? allegedly. Well, he's uh, eating donuts and that. He put that on Instagram, didn't he? The donut <laughs> thing. As, but, as, yeah. as, as I was going to say about Hull, though, is the point. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not talking about it's, that it's anymore. My, it's my own fault for bringing Seb Larson up, but um, they, they look in, incredibly soft sentence. There's obviously a, a mentality issue there, which is why they just it remind is, me about something. It is, but I, I see what, you, what you're saying, but I think the difference is at home they've stuck four past a couple of teams this season, which means they might have the opposite problem we have, where we have this massive thing hanging over us for home games. Possibly it's, they're a bit soft. Possibly, the and they road. did, and they did, they did sign very, very well in the last sort of week of the window. Jackson Irvin, who was one of the best players in the league for Burton last year, knew a Dicko front, who's good, quick player, Jan Terrell. and they've kept a couple of players, Camel Grisicki. So they've got a lot of yeah. attack and firepower. Grisicki, you know, it's at this level, pretty good player, really. I mean, it's looked all right in the Premier League. So we should have done Italian account for how many times I said at this level. I know somebody <laughs> made a joke of it in yeah, the first, the first one we'd done. We should have actually tied them all up, shouldn't we? <laughs> tied them up. Yeah. Tallied them oh, up. I thought you said tied them. I can't understand your language. Like, <laughs> Do you know what? I'm, I'm doing <laughs> less, them less and less broadcasting, so I'm, uh, I'm not pronouncing. I'm not pronouncing my words doing probably. More, you know, in the three times a week. Uh, probably, it's less, like less, less pro this though, isn't it? Less pro <laughs> than it was last yeah. season. Cecil Sunafem, if you're still interested in running the show next season, I promise it'll get less and less professional as it goes on. I'm just looking through Twitter to see if there's any um, nice little things that people are saying to us. Um, I Hull know. fans would have you believe they're in a crisis, though. When, like I said, it's hardly a crisis. At least won a couple of home games, stuck to. Well, they're only they're only two points ahead of us. I know. So. Yeah. But their manager's mm. speaking as if it's a crisis, isn't he? I, I, I noticed some comments he was making this week saying, you know, we're, we're all in it together and, you know, I'm trying my best to, to find a way or anything. God, come and, come and have a look at what's going on with us because if, well, if we didn't have that semi-decent start, it's scary to think where we could be now. On, on that sort of point, we've got at Bobby Spout, who asks, he's called Carl Bridgewood, and he asks, how long do you think we have to wait to see the best of this team? The squad is better than the table suggests, that not re- and, but results aren't. I mean, well, that's we, what we're worried we touched about. On, is, we touched on this the other team. night. Is that the, again this, like there's some sort of curse, and it's like no, just stop it. It's like it's the hoofball of James Vaughan of, foot, of, of, of football opinion. It's like it's an easy thing to say. Stop it. <laughs> just let's draw a line under it. And any <laughs> any time anyone says that, they get put in that cryo chamber thing that for like two minutes. That's what that's what my proposal. Well, who would you? And we we, tri- we we basically do go full classical conditioning. Pavlov's dog. Every time you say it, you get put in the chiller for two minutes, and then that that's it's my solution. It's interesting because I've I've always been with you on that, and I and I, and I still am. But it was interesting that Kieran Brady when he was in the studio the other, the other night was was suggesting that certain clubs do carry this aura about them, and when players go in there historically. Uh, if uh, no, they don't have to keep up the same standards and stuff like that. Yeah, but that's, that's a di- but that's a different that's a different thing, you know. That that's a that's an acknowledgement. He was, I think the words he used. He said it was something was like a holiday camp, didn't he? Yeah, he talked about an acceptance of mediocrity as well. Yeah. which was very nail on the head for me, really. Yeah, and but when the manager comes out after the game and starts saying stuff like, "Oh well, you know, things have been wrong here for a long time and all that," no, because as soon as you start saying that. It just reinforces it. It gives mm. people it gives gives people that excuse. Stop giving people excuses for to to fail to accept the mediocrity. We know we're not the best team in the world, but yeah, I think all, know, we can, we all can levels con- of expectation that, are fully gone now. That, they've, that, been, they've been uh, extinguished, 11, haven't they? That eleven is not an eleven that should get beaten four games. On, in a row in the championship, definitely not. And I think the concern is when Grayson came in, we were all told, and we all thought initially he's a manager who gets teams to perform like above expectations and greater than the sum of the parts. And you wonder whether this is Grayson, whether he's capable of dealing with like so-called like quality players, because when you look, he's kind of had like limited workman time squads with kind of a uh, one or two Aidan McGeady figures, but suddenly now he's having to cope with players who maybe. Have a little bit like more of a skill set than he's worked with before, and I wonder whether he's up to it really. I know it's early days, and I'm not saying like Grace now or anything like that, but I mean, you've got to get it'll take him time to get that. He keeps on saying he said the last two games were a work in progress, we're a work in progress, it's not a crisis. I, I, I prefer that to someone saying, Well, we're in a relegation battle, at least it shows that he's got he's things what they're doing every day. If we go on and get beaten at the weekend, 
I mean, we've got what six? Have we got five or six games before the end of the month? Six, including Everton. In six, cup. including the League Cup. So if we come out of this <coughs> month and we've won, we've lost, lost four, drawn drawn one, and won one or something, then, then the alarm bells would be ringing, because this we need to start picking points up and oh, get a couple of ga- couple of wins on the bounce, um, and and you know, Hull have conceded a lot of goals, have scored a lot of goals. You know why? Why they concede goals? They haven't seen them enough to to make that judgment. But Derby looked toothless against us, and you know they put five past them the other week. So you know, hopefully, we, we can do something where we can we can create some opportunities and take them, put them under some sort of pressure. You know, but the you know the it's um you know then we've got Cardiff who've been very good this the start of the season. So they've got to get some in this weekend. Because they can't they can't go in go into it on that game on five defeats on the bounce, no home wins in twenty seventeen, seven goals in twenty seventeen at home, only two or three I think from open play, you know one goal in our last four, we can't have that negativity because if they go in front on on, on when we play Cardiff, it'll just be all hell will break loose like pe- people are like you were saying Michael people are getting sick, you know. And, but anyway, I think um, maybe I'm clutching the straws here, but I think yeah, Hull... you will be. <laughs> but I think the whole game, in a sense, it might benefit us because we saw earlier on the season against Norwich and against Derby, and teams that come onto us, we actually looked all right on the counter attack. And if they're going to leave space at the back, I'm not saying we're good enough to create things and break people down. But if we're presented with opportunities, then we might have a chance on the break. I mean, I know we're fragile ourselves, but like you say, Hull have also conceded goals. So, and as we've shown, we are maybe a bit better against teams that are. Quote, quote, better than us and they kind of will will attack us and will play on the front foot and their fans as you say they're also kind of have a feeling of going through a crisis so if it's nil nil after 20 minutes so we can sit in and keep it tight and hit them on the brave and maybe we might get a bit of joy and that's my hope anyway particularly McManaman he wasn't great the other night but he did look bright Johnny Williams he looked bright so there are options there and hopefully we'll be able to kind of capitalise on Hull's own frailties I think well obviously we beat them last year with one of the worst Sunderland teams you'll see under one of the worst managers <laughs> we've ever had. Um, oh, and they were worse. And they were in. And they were in a. They they were on a little bit of a decent run. Um, and <laughs> under a good manager. Well, we inflicted the first home defeat on Michael Silver in two years in the home match. So yeah, we did. Yeah, didn't we? we sort of proper Sunderland that one. <laughs> Sunderland. Possibly the worst. Can you remember we did a poll in in the Peacock before the game, and I would say the audience was split between. Maybe a bit number of people under 35 and over 35. And we had a discussion about Laurie McManamy. David Corner was there talking about how he didn't like Laurie McManamy and how he was clueless and he didn't know what he was yeah. doing. Uh, which are, are the Sunderland fans know that, but he was giving some inside stories and stuff like D- that. David Hodgson said he w- wished Laurie McManamy was dead when we started <laughs> talking with him. And so we did a popular guy. We, we, we did um, just a show of hands and said, Who's the worst Sunderland manager? We thought it was going to be split between. McMenemy and Moyes were the older generation and the younger generation and there were like three people who put the hand up for McMenemy and everybody else put the hand up well, for Maybe Moyes. we should do one of those. Even the um, older guys as well who I can remember got... the guy who took us down into the third division. So there you go, maybe David we Moyes. Do well done. Round of applause. One of That's those, some um, achievement. Can we respect the win ratio, please? Yeah. <laughs> one of them, like for McMenemy, retweet for Moyes, one of those things that people do. Who's well, you, better? You Who's now, worse? Well, you can actually do a poll now. So. Oh, you can. <laughs> yeah. I know, but but then you get likes and retweets. Yeah, and you don't feeds, get on the people's yeah. feeds. If feed, all those numbers feed your ego, don't they? When you get a good, like, nice load of likes. It's, it's rubbish Twitter now. Then they've changed. They changed it from favorites to likes. Stopped en- hashtag engagement, in my opinion, because it, what happens is people like things rather than retweet it. People should be retweeting and it builds your thing. Anyway, so that's why it's social media 101. Then <laughs> uh, the course is available online. I'll be delivering it. If you want to sign up, get in touch with uh, at Wise Men Say Pod. Can we talk about something serious? Gordon. Well, I'm just, I'm, I, I'm just trying to kind of collate what I was thinking about some of the things we were just talking about there and the sense of crisis and the sense of is Grace up to it. I think judgments on Grace at the moment is quite harsh. I, s- I said at the time I thought the way he set up the team at Sheffield United was very bizarre to mm, change yeah. things so radically after a new signings coming in after an international break etc but you, you mentioned about this perception of Grayson that the, f- the football's dour and that he works with limited players and makes them functional and I, I, I personally feel that's harsh because that was always a perception I had of Grayson until I saw his press inside a couple of times last year 
and they, they destroyed Cardiff and they were lots of young talented creative players my big concern is, is not that you won't make the team better my concern is about the depth of the squad and you'll never be in a position where over a run of games you'll be able to put a really strong side out game after game after game and that's what I was going back to a little bit earlier about the substitutions the other day okay so you lose McGeady and suddenly it's like we've lost so much and we haven't mm. we can't replace him and I think that will get a little bit better when you get you what more you McNair's coming back into it but my, my concern at the moment is not necessarily about Grayson I'm just, I'm just looking at the squad in comparison to a lot in the, in the championship I just don't think the depth's there and that, that's my main concern rather than any sense of, of the manager himself I, I think. think my point about Grayson I think I maybe used the wrong word when I said quality I don't think, backtrack no, 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 no. Mm, I yeah. think just, just stand by it go on. Just, just to clarify what I said <laughs> courage and conviction Michael come yeah. on no, stand no. in the moist <laughs> so just to clarify I didn't mean that no no I think I think Eagles are maybe the word I was looking for because when you look at Sutherland's team we've got a lot of players who have like attitude problems so kind of like I know it's like an easy thing to throw people but you look at Corner like does he look that bothered you look around the squad and you have this kind of like perception of certain players so that was maybe the point I was trying to make about Grayson rather than like that he can't like manage qualities maybe like kind of a dresser room and he's it's very divided so that was basically the point I was making earlier Can I get well Grayson's telling us that he want, he's only got players who want to be here yeah. now. well to be so. fair I don't, I'm not I'm not seeing what other people are seeing in Kone to be honest this whole I know he's obviously blocked his copybook big time with the way he went on over the Everton thing but I'm not seeing the whole I, I think he's been pretty decent when he's played I'm not seeing the People, I think people have obviously got it in for certain players and justifiably and people will always it'll take a long time to, to turn people's opinions around especially when you're losing games but anyway on the subject of losing games and people getting really annoyed I want to get onto this because we've had some tweets from some people over the last 24 hours who so basically they've got in touch and said I just want to open the debate up so they've got in touch and said that they think that we we are a platform for Sunderland fans they've said they, the people would who were talking to was specifically saying that they think we should act as a voice of fans. I just, just completely disagree with that and we'd never ever want to go out that way. But they were kind of saying they, their idea was they wanted to organise a protest against whatever it was. They never got round to the point of what it is they wanted to protest. They were just annoyed saying that. What they think just a show of dissatisfaction, should be do, probably. What, what should rather be rather done. than a solution, I think. It's just a yeah. statement to make yeah. to show they are unhappy with things. And they, what they said is how would people feel about if at the end of the game, say the Cardiff game, a load of Sunderland fans just went and sat in silence in the in the south stand? That was the idea for the protest. I went back to them and said, "Well, if you want to, we're more than happy to push out. You know, when people are passionate about something, come back to me with a proposal, a statement about what you want read out, and we'll do it. They haven't done that yet. They might do after this, but I just wondered what." interesting to gauge on Twitter as, as well after people have listened they'll come back to us and tweet us about it and tell us how you feel it's not something we would ever come up with ourselves ever no it's not the route we would no, ever go down no, we, no. We, if people want to come and use us as a platform that's fine but, but we, we, mean, we, we're not going to sit here and tell people what to do or even come up with suggestions what, what are people's opinions in the studio on something like that do people feel as though that there'd be value in a protest but do people feel passionate enough that the needs that some that a protest could make things change because I remember on the Murray to be fair I think I, I think a protest did force <laughs> his hand um, the red card thing, didn't but no, not the red card thing. When people well, went worked. in, that worked though. He resigned not long after. Well, I think it was more like the two thousand really angry people outside of the gates, like <laughs> braying the door down, was probably the thing that made him bin it off, rather than some people holding up some cards in the stadium it wasn't during just some the game. People, like the full ground did it. I remember that. I was quite impressed with that one. But um, yeah, just do, do people feel as though that? Well, you've got at that you've, point. You've got no one who wants to sell a club anywhere, so it's not like. People protesting is gonna gonna you know change that. Um, we've said personally, we you know the, the club promised didn't they, Phil, when the takeover didn't go through. Um, they promised to come out and tell us what the plans were, and they haven't done that. I think that's a, I think that the club does deserve do the fans deserve answers on that based on that statement. The day that Simon Grayson was appointed as Sunderland manager and the takeover fell through, they made some comments on the website that they haven't followed through on whatsoever and you could argue that it depends I mean they must have had no money the people looking to take up the take over the club because Ellis Short said that he was gonna he still fully backs the team he'll back you you know he'll invest all that kind of thing that was the the suggestion in the comments and he also they also said that they will let 
the fans know the plans in due course, and nothing's happened since. Well, I'm 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 hopeful there will be some some progress on that soon. I mean, the, the in terms of the takeover in the summer, the the suggestion was that the German consortium didn't have the cash to run the club, i.e., Sunderland still make still operates at a loss. So if you are in charge of Sunderland, you have to cover that loss. And the feeling was that the German consortium didn't have the money to cover those losses in the way that Ellis Short does. This isn't me defending Ellis Short, the mistakes he's made, but the fundamental thing is at the moment, when Sunderland have a shortfall, he writes the cheque to cover it. And the perception was is that the interested parties didn't have the money to make that happen. And that's why they pulled out of the deal. In terms of where you go from there, listen, yes, they said the club's not up for sale. We, un- we know that Ellis Short will sell it if the right money comes in. It's likely to be a fraction of what he's invested. It's likely to be it's, you know, less than £100 million, probably considerably. The fans' process is a difficult thing because can you make him more inclined to sell if you make him feel uncomfortable? No. I, d- I don't know the it's answer more, to that. I, I, and I don't know what people would get out of it. I, I would suggest no, you <laughs> can't, because you, you're not going to make it. it. It's possibly just more of a... You know, we some fans have put up with a lot, you know, a hell of a lot. We said we haven't won at home since December or something, and, it, and that was that's condensing the five or four years that went before that. It's probably even a show of dissatisfaction might just make people feel better about it. I don't know, or, or just it might do something where we're, where we're letting people, you know, the players and, and and everybody know that you know it's not good enough and you need to try harder and you need to do more. I, you know, it's it's a question I don't have the answer to. And it's certainly not my place to tell to tell fans what what they should and shouldn't be doing. <laughs> the, the point you make is sound, and if that's how people want to express the dissatisfaction, and if they want to to put that across, then you know, obviously they're welcome to do it. The the issue, as as you've mentioned, I guess, is that you know, Ellis Short would sell the club if the right money right yeah. money came well, in. Well, you go home and away, yeah, every week. Pretty much, yeah. So. Well, my take of it is, I think um, I agree with everything Stephen said, really, that um, although it would be kind of nice for some fans to be able to get like emotions and feelings off the chest, ultimately, what would the aim of a protest be? Because the point's already been made, Short wants to sell, we want Short to sell, so really, what are we protesting about? Bad performance on the pitch, well, we're not protesting against Simon Grayson because it's nowhere near that stage yet. So, as I say, like if you're going to have a protest, you need an end goal, and I'm not sure what that end goal would be, so... I'm not sure whether it's um, a viable option. I understand supporters' frustration, but I think on Saturday I was a little bit disappointed, actually, at the crowd reaction in the Sheffield United game, because I do agree we've seen a lot of rubbish over the past few years, not just the past few months. But I think we weren't great tactically on Saturday, we weren't great like, in terms of performance, but one thing I didn't see, I didn't see like a real like lack of effort. I mean, maybe it appears that way, because when you're not playing well and you're under the, under the cost, it doesn't look as though... You put an effort in, but then how do you show effort that you're supposed to run around the like pitch shaking your fist constantly and shouting? Well, it's like you know what I'm saying. So I think if people are gonna sit here and say, right, we need to make a clean break and differentiate between previous regimes, and we can't continue blaming them, then we've got to kind of give this team a little bit of change in the bank and say we're not going to kind of turn them yet because this they are disassociated with what happens in the past. If I stop knocking the microphone, um, <laughs> he's packed the passions <laughs> over. Yeah. But no, he's but, around shaking. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the point I'm trying to make though is, if we're going to differentiate between one regime and another in terms of kind of not allowing them excuses, then we've also got to do it and say, well, Grayson's not really part of the problem over the years, so it's unfair really to kind of lump in together with all the incompetence that's happened at the club over the past few years. And I think we do just need to be. Uh, I'm not saying be more patient because we've shown patience of a saint over the past few years, but as I say, it's just kind of I understand the frustrations, but I would just like just to say a little bit kind of more like positivity just in general around well, the club. I don't know. He's a ridiculous idea. Maybe it should go the other way. And what we do is at the end of the game, we all gather in the south stand and unveil a load of banners with how brilliant Sunderland are. Over the years, with this historical club, we've won the league championship this time. It's a great, it's a you know. There's been more development in the city in the last 15 months than there has been in the last 15 years. It's going to be city, city of culture. Of culture. <laughs> Do all that and go like you're selling the house, rather than Morton like, Look how crap this is. Do you want to buy it? We're going. You know, we know he wants to sell it, so maybe we should like get a big for sale sign and take it, carry it around the edge of the. The, the ground with like all the brilliant reasons why someone should invest in the club and what somebody would you know 
that you could become you know you win three games on a bounce of Sunderland and like you're you're a hero. So you know there's a statue of Bob Mur- um, sorry Bob Stoke outside the ground. You know we won the FA Cup with him and you know that that team you know never buy a pint in their lives. You know what I mean? And it was over forty years ago. So it just goes to show any little bit of success that anybody could bring. And may, may, I'm not saying I don't know how you do it. I'm being kind of slightly <laughs> facetious, but maybe that is something you do. You go, well, you know what? You want to sell? I think my disappointment. This is why you should buy us. My disappointment is that, like, I think I speak for quite a lot of fans and myself careful, here. Careful. No, no, I'm just saying in terms of we. I think well, we all want just the best for the football club, really, and we don't want to be getting on our own teams back. We don't want to be divided. Um, and that was why at the start of the season, when in reality all we did was win one game and have a couple of encouraging draws, everyone was really up and saying, oh, like Simon Grayson, he's really energised the place, he's given us all a lift. I think if we listen to a podcast from the start of, from the start to mid-August, everyone would be quite infused about the whole situation. But now we're back at rock bottom, but it does show that the fan base, there is a real willingness for us to do well and to kind of have a more positive attitude and mentality. But I think that's what's more galling for a lot of fans, the fact that we saw the green shoots of recovery and now it just feels like a total like back to where we were like at the start of the season, like after the Celtic game. Win more games winning games helps. Winning well, games of, helps. Of course it does, but and, and, and this one this weekend, as I say, with Cardiff coming up is a huge one. We we did go there last season and win. Let's with hope we, mean, not Cardiff. before Cardiff coming up after that I said, didn't I? You sure did, I did. I did. Blooded everywhere. <laughs> that didn't happen either. Right. <laughs> I tell you what, I would, I would like to buy a pint. Talking about Sunderland goal scores, that beach ball. Get him a pint. He scored the winner against Liverpool. The actual right. beach ball. The actual beach ball. Yeah. Beep Maybe it. that's the thing we should we should do like a whole parade of all the things that have happened that are funny and good about Sunderland. Then we could have that. We could get the kids, school kids involved, and make a massive papier mâché beach Papier-mâché. ball. Mâché. Thanks for listening. Wise Men Say, Sun FM Preview Show, with Stephen Goldsmith and Gareth Barker. All things Sunderland. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.